All right, turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to jump into God's Word this morning. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. And we, we've been in a series we're concluding today called Moving Forward in Community. The theme for this year, for 2019, for us is moving forward. And, and the, the series we've started uh, to begin this year is Moving Forward in Community. We started off a couple weeks ago talking about how we were, we were made from community, that as human beings we were created and designed uh, from the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They were in community and they made us from a place of community to have relationship and fellowship with them. And then we were made for community. We, we, we weren't meant to be alone. God said after the creation of the world and creation of mankind, the first thing he said that was not good is that it is not good for man to be alone. We were made for community. We were made to have relationship with other people and do life with other people. And then we also talked about how as, I, as my community grows, I grow. That there's growth that takes place in community. And as I grow, my community should grow. It's a cyclical thing. There's to be growth taking place in our lives as we're a part of community. Pastor Aaron did a great job pre preaching last week. I wasn't here, but I listened to it. And if you ever miss, you can listen to our messages online. And it talked about how we learn best in a group setting. We, we learn and retain more things that we, we hear when we discuss it with other people, when we actually go from passive learning to active learning. And it's really powerful, and this is why we really want to incorporate and encourage you to be a part of a small group, because we realize that what we hear today, even if you're taking notes, you might not get everything, but when then all of a sudden it's discussed again in a group setting, a group format with other people, and you share how it speaks to you and how you hear it speaks to other people, all of a sudden you begin to hear it, understand it, and live it more. And that's really what we want in all of our lives. And it really just makes this, this moment here a lot easier for us. <laughs> but it's all good. It's all good. Uh, I want to, again, we're in Philippians chapter 2. In verse 1, you should definitely be there by now. It says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Paul here, who wrote this with the Holy Spirit, is writing to uh, the church in Philippi, and he's saying, hey, if you've received any benefit, any good thing from knowing God, then be like-minded. Be one. Be unified. Uh, a subtitle to the message today would be, as one. That God wants us to be in a place of unity. And it goes on to say in verse 3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. If you look at the word community, the word unity is in the word community. Profound thought, I know. Mind-blowing. Light bulbs clicking on and fuses are blowing. Smoke's coming out of your ears with this amazing profound thought that I just presented to you. It's like, whoa, I've never seen that before. Maybe you haven't. I don't know. But if you look at the word, unity is found in the word community, which implies, which assumes upon 
the essence of the word that a, a group of people that gather together, a group of people that belong together, that are in a sense called a community, that they are to be unified. It's, it's simply in the essence of the word. It's simply in, in the meaning of what it means to be in a community. That there's a unity that takes place. There's a rallying together around a common idea, a common heartbeat, a common thought, a common purpose, a common agenda. Whatever it could be, whether it's a sports team, a business, uh, an organization, a church, a family, a marriage, that when you are a community, there is meant to be unity that takes place. That people from all different you know, political views, sports teams, uh, business perspectives, economic perspectives, family perspectives, when they are a part of a, something bigger than themselves, Everyone desires to have a cohesiveness, a, a chemistry, a working together, a good teamwork that takes place. You know when you have it, and you know when you don't have it. When, you, when you're doing life by yourself, you know, you don't even have to think about it, but when all of a sudden you're involving your, your participation and your life with other people, you, you know when you have chemistry, you know when you have a cohesiveness, you know when you have unity, and you know when you don't. You don't always know how you get it, you don't always know why you lost it. But you know when you have it and when you don't. It's, it's an essential piece to success when, you, when you're working, when doing life with other people. Maybe in your workplace, you just know it's like sometimes it's toxic. There's, there's constant bickering and fighting and jostling for positions and functions. And, you know, maybe you sense it in your own families or you sense it in the different organizations you might be a part of. Unfortunately, the church has had a bad rap at many times because of disunity. I'm not preaching this message today because I, I feel like our church, the Promise Church, is struggling with disunity. I'm simply wanting to encourage us, to remind us of things, to help us go in the right direction, to stay moving in this place of becoming one as a church family. Why? Because this was God's heart. This was God's intention from the beginning. This is always God's plan for his people to be in unity. If you look at humanity as a whole, when, when Humanity gets together and does things in a place of unity. It's like nothing can stop it. Teams, I love sports. You look at sports, teams that have less talent, less uh, talented pieces in the team can often accomplish more when they are unified, when everyone knows their role, when everyone values each other, when everyone, everyone celebrates together. And, and it's not about the individuals. It's about the team and what the team is trying to accomplish. When, when that mindset is in every part of the organization, that team can accomplish more than a group of people who are very talented that are all about themselves. We see it on all the time if you watch sports. And, and what fosters that and what, what, what causes that chemistry? It's often a mystery to a lot of people. And I, I'm not saying that I have the answers to, uh, you know, an extensive list of those things, but I'm going to share with you some different ingredients that I believe can really build unity in you, in us, in, in any group that you would be a part of in your life. When you, when you look at people and, and how they unify at different times, nothing can stop them. Nothing can stop them when they're unified. There's a story in Genesis Chapter 11, this is at the beginning of humanity, at the very beginning after the flood, and, and the, the human race is basically congregating and living in one geographic area. It's called Babylonia, and, and they all have the same language. They, they, don't, they all speak the same tongue. They, there's no uh, dispersion of language yet. And so they, they're in this area, and they thought, wow, what we're, really, what we're doing is pretty amazing. We've invented the brick. They were enamored with this new technology called the brick. 
and they thought this is really cool. Instead of using stones, we can use bricks. This is really cool. And so they thought, man, we're really special. We're really awesome. Let's all gather together. Let's work together to build this tower that reaches the heavens so we can make a name for ourselves. And I thought about this, and maybe you've thought about this before. I thought, man, if almost all of humanity lived in one area, and they're trying to make a name for themselves, and they're all doing it, who are they actually trying to impress? They're not impressing Japan. No one's there. They're not impressing Africa. No one's there. Like, they were enamored with themselves. They were enamored with themselves. And around that wrong perspective, that negative mindset, that selfishness, they actually unified and were building this tower and were very successful, so successful it got God's attention. And God actually came down and walked among the people, and I don't know if he was talking to an angel or, or who he was talking to, but he, maybe he was talking to a father, son, Holy Spirit, have a moment, and, they, and, and God's like, nothing that they do will be stopped if we don't stop them because of their unity. And they're rallying around a, a wrong cause. And so what does God do? He gives them different languages to confuse them. Now, one day, they're talking to each other, and everybody understands each other. The next day, they can't understand each other. And so the people began to disperse according to the, the commonness of their language so that they could understand at least some people around them. And, and, and so then the nations began to form after this moment. But it, it was because of a place of unity that God actually had to do something because they were unifying around a, a wrong idea. But unity is so powerful that it got God's attention. What if we as the church, the promised church, and the collective church of, of this region unified together? Man, we're going to get God's attention. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be amazing. God's goal for us as the church is this prayer that Jesus prayed before he went to the cross in John 17. John 17 verse 20 says, My prayer is not for them alone. My prayer is also for those who believe in me through their message. Say, that's me. Jesus prayed for his 12 disciples, and then he began to pray for those who would believe and the message they would preach, and that's us. And he says that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one, as we are one, I and them, and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. There's so much amazing truth in here, and, and we don't have time to unpack it all. This is why we have small groups. Shameless plug again. But Jesus' heart, his passion, was for his people to be one, to be as one. The, again, the word unity is found in the word community, and the word community actually means a unified body of individuals. The word unity means no longer being multiple, but one. The state of no longer being multiple, but one. Where individuals come together and they no longer identify as an individual, they identify as one. 
And this is Jesus' heart. This is his goal. This is his desire for you and I as we do life together. In Psalms 133, it's a classic scripture about unity. It talks about how good and pleasant it is when God's people dwell together in unity. There the anointing of God falls and their blessing takes place. The, the unity that we are to have is not just for us to have a good time together and to get along. The unity that we're supposed to have is so that his anointing comes through us and the blessing flows through us to the world. And that, as Jesus said, is that they recognize that they, that they would be one, just as we're one, Father, so that the world will recognize that I am the Messiah, that I'm the Christ, that I came and I died, I'm going to die for humanity. That is the goal, that it points to Jesus. Our unity points to Jesus. So here's some ingredients for unity. I have five of them. Again, it's not all of them probably, but five is the number of grace. And it takes a lot of grace to walk in unity. We cannot do this on our own efforts and our own strength. We, we must be in a place of dependency on the grace of God, on the power of God to walk in unity. And, and, and that's why I have five. So, number one, a mission mindset. A mission Mindset. What does this mean? It's keeping the main thing the main thing. What are we really about? What are we really here for? What's our purpose? What's our mission? It's to glorify Jesus. It's about Jesus. And it's about extending what he has asked us to do into the world. Extending the kingdom of God by fulfilling the great commission. The great commission of going and making disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That those who believe in Jesus, that these signs should follow those who believe. That they'll lay hands on the sick and they will be made well. They'll cast out demons. They'll raise the dead. This is what we're called to do. To preach the gospel. This is what we're asked to do. And if we rally around that the main mission of why we exist as the church, then the, all the little minute details, all the little different flavors and styles and expressions and the things that we often hold on to, they will begin to fade away. They will not be as important. They will not be as needed in our minds because we're, we're rallying together around the main thing. Because here, here, here's what it's about. Is unity is not about agreement. Unity does not equal agreement. But when you desire unity and you have a mission mindset, unity is where agendas, political perspectives, personal accomplishments, and all these other things that can get in the way, they die for the sake of the mission. What's the mission here? On earth as it is in heaven. We desire to facilitate a place where heaven can invade. Where what's in heaven manifests here on earth. Where people are saved. People are healed. People are set free. People are transformed by the love and power of Jesus. That's what we're about. And if we keep that the main thing and giving glory and honor to Jesus and facilitating an environment where God is comfortable even when people aren't comfortable, then God is going to move. And all the different things, that the lights are too bright, the music's too loud, I don't like that color, that doesn't matter anymore. What, what role I play, what, where I am asked to serve, that doesn't matter anymore. Because you realize no matter where you serve, no matter what, what you're a part of, when you're a part of a, a group, a family, that's about reaching the lost and reaching people for Jesus, then you know that when you play your role, everyone is participating together to reach the lost and reaching those who need Jesus. And that we're all doing it together. 
One of the biggest aspects of unity and team chemistry is everyone knowing their role and executing their role. When that happens, unity takes place and the mission is accomplished. In Acts chapter 4, verse 32, it talks about the early church. This is at the very birth stages of the church. It says in Acts 4, 32, all the believers were in one heart and mind. Again, it's not agreeing on the same things all the time. Probably the people closest to me in my life, I disagree with the most. I'm very different than a lot of the people closest to me. My wife and I are very different in a lot of different ways besides male and female. I'm very different than Pastor Aaron, and we're brothers. We disagree on a lot of things. Pastor Chris, one of my best friends, is very different than me, yet he's one of my best friends. If you only are around people that are just like you, it's going to be really hard for you to be stretched and to grow. But when you have a mission mindset, you don't focus on what you disagree on. You focus on what you agree on. And what you agree on is going to be the main things. If we can agree on Jesus, we can agree on the mission that he's asked us to be a part of. If we can agree on the presence of God and facilitating an atmosphere for God, for people to experience God, man, then I, you, know, you like this team and I like this team and you like this color and I like this color. No one really cares. It doesn't matter. And we'll get to more about how that takes place in our lives as, as well, how you get to that mission mindset a little bit more. The next three points I have for you, I'm going to give you all at once because I feel like they're very interconnected. They're, they're very, very cyclical in how they work together. And their hunger, their humility, and their honor. Hunger, humility, and honor. And I, 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 not, not just for unity, but I believe in so many core aspects of our existence and, our, and, the, and the aspects of our relationship with Jesus. If we have these three things working in our lives, Man, we are, are, are setting ourselves up to grow in Jesus and walk in all that he has for us in many big ways. Humility, or excuse me, hunger, humility, and honor. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 says this. As a prisoner, this is Paul again, uh, writing to a different church in Ephesus. He says, as a, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to be, to, to, or, excuse me, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. A lot of oneness language in this passage here. A lot of urging for us to be unified together. And I want to highlight, I want to really have a st stand out verse 3 where it says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Make every effort. To me, that sounds like hunger. That sounds like a desire inside to persevere, a desire inside to fight, to hold on to, to, to not let discouragement, to not, like, not, 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 not let past hurts and wounds stop you and hinder you and, and keep you in a place that doesn't want to move forward. But it keeps you in a place of willing to learn, keeps you in a place wanting to learn, keeps you in a place pursuing God, keeps you in a place of pursuing relationship with other people, keeps you in a place of wanting to fight for unity to persevere, 
Make every effort. It sounds like work. It sounds like effort. But it sounds like hunger. It sounds like what God asks of us. In humility, in the, the passage that we just opened up the service with, uh, the message with in Philippians chapter 2, it talks about in verse 3, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. At that, that word value right after humility could also be translated honor. Rather, in humility, honor others above yourselves. In Romans chapter 12, verse 10, it says, honor one another above yourselves. Honor one another. See, selfishness is probably the biggest kryptonite to unity. And we live in a very narcissistic, selfish culture where it's about us. What was the Tower of Babel about? It was the glorification of humanity, about us. It hasn't changed through thousands of years. When we care about my needs, when we care about what is, what's in it for me, what do I get out of this? Instead of focusing our attention on God or on others, it sets us up to cause disunity in one way, shape, or form. It's going to cause grumbling, complaining, negativity, frustration, jealousy, envy, all from that place of that selfishness. See, humility, it's been said many times, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's not putting yourself down. It's not trying to make yourself look bad so others can look good around you. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. So it's putting your attention, your focus on God. It's putting your attention, your focus on others. It's thinking of yourself less. It's realizing why we are here. The first and two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. There's this humility that must take place in our, in our lives. If you are a person that constantly is seeming to be in a place of conflict, friction, and irritation, uh, where you feel a resistance often in your life, the goals that you want to achieve are not happening, that you're not able to progress in certain things, or you just feel lost and aimless in your life, I, I would venture to guess there's a humility issue in your life. There's an honor issue in your life where you're not valuing the people around you and you're not willing to ask for help. When you have humility, God gives you grace. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humility puts you in a place of thinking, I don't know everything and I want to learn more. I need help. I need help in my marriage. I need help with my parents. You know, I need help in my work. I need help in, in, in living more like Jesus. I need help in this area of sin. I need help. It puts you in a place of, God, I need you, and I need other people in my life. Instead of ice pulling you back and wanting to isolate yourself and put you in a place of independence and because of fear, it puts you in a place around other people for them to encourage you, speak into your life, teach you, train you, help you. That's what humility does. Honor values those around you. It celebrates the differences in people's lives around you. When you, have, when you have humility, when you have honor, and when you have hunger, forgiveness is not an issue. Why? Because when you're hurt or offended, or when you know that you've probably hurt or offended somebody else, somebody else it puts you in a place of coming low and saying, 
I don't deserve to be forgiven by God. So therefore, I have no right to hold unforgiveness towards you. Even if that person isn't asking for forgiveness, you're not withholding forgiveness because you recognize that God has forgiven you and you did not deserve it. You're in a place of seeing yourself from the right perspective. And you're honoring relationship over being right. Honoring relationship over your agreement. When you have humility, when you have honor, when you have hunger, you're thankful for those around you. You celebrate them. It takes away, it removes all comparison and competition and jealousy and envy. And it says, thank you, God, that you've put them in my life. Thank you, God, that you've challenged me by putting them in my life. Thank you, God, that you've convicted me by putting them in my life. Thank you, God, that you're stretching me by putting them in my life. Thank you, God, that I can impart into them and they can impart into me. Thank you, God, for how they've blessed me. Thank you, God, that I can bless them. There's a thankfulness that wells up inside of you because of humility, honor, hunger. There's a generosity that stirs in you because you honor people. You're putting other people's needs or perspectives or, 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 or situations above your own at times. You're, you're thankful for them, and you're wanting to be generous to them. You're wanting to bless them. You look at the early church when they were in a place of unity all together in one heart and one mind. The next part says in Acts chapter 4, and whenever there was someone in need, they sold their possessions to take care of anyone who had need. A generosity stirs up inside of you that says, man, because I value you, because I see how God sees you, because I love you as my family, I'm willing to give to you, I'm willing to help you, I'm willing to, to come around you. And that promotes unity, that builds unity. Last point, last ingredient is love. Colossians 3, verse 12 says, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with, each other, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That sounds like something I just said. Well, that's, that's amazing. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Love is the bonding agent that causes all these other ingredients to take place, to grow, to last. Love. So how do, we, how do we have love? How do we walk in love? How do we experience this in our lives? When we have love, humility, honor, hunger, a mission mindset, they'll just begin to take place in our lives. They'll begin to just dem be demonstrated in our lives with our mindsets, with our activity, with our words. All of it will just begin to happen when we have love. So where does this come from? How does this happen? Well, John 13, 34 says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this love, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Our love for one another is to be what the world sees and hears about us the most. Not our outreach, not our programs, not our services, not our lights and music. It's our love. It's our love for each other. And how does that happen? How does this take place in our lives? How do we walk in unity together and walk in love with each other? We experience the love from Jesus that he has towards us.
It says that we're to love one another as he has loved us. When you recognize, when you experience, when you begin to feel the love that Jesus has for you, how much you are loved, how much you are valued, how much you are celebrated by him, and recognizing it's by his grace alone because you didn't deserve it, man, you can begin to love other people accurately too. You can begin to love people unselfishly. You can begin to be able to love generously. You can begin to give honor. You can begin to desire to reconcile relationships. You can begin to have a mission mindset and focus on what you do agree on, not what you don't agree on. I, I hearken back to the first scripture I read this morning in Philippians chapter 2. If you have received any benefit, any goodness, any joy from knowing Jesus, from experiencing his love, from knowing salvation, from experiencing his grace and his forgiveness, then please be like-minded. Be unified. Be of one heart. Be of one mind. Again, church, I'm not preaching this because of problems. I'm preaching this because as we draw closer together, I want us to grow more unified. The potential exists in the heart of, of broken people that when you get to know people more and you get to closer to them, there's, they, there's tension that can take place. There's irritation and frustration that can grow. There's a confusion that can take place. And I don't want that for one second. I just, I just feel the, the heart of Jesus, the, the the heart of the Spirit of God who wants to unify the body of Christ to say, no, we're going we're gonna to show the world what it's supposed to look like. We're going to show the world what love is supposed to look like, what unity is supposed to look like. So what does that mean? That means you're going to protect unity. You're going to pray for it. You're not going to gossip. You're not going to slander. When people are vulnerable and they're honest and they share things with you in a small group, you're not going to go tell everybody about it. It means that you're going to speak life to one another. You're going to speak encouragement to one another. You're going to speak the truth in love. You're going to handle offenses biblically. You're going to do it quickly. You're not going to allow bitterness and unforgiveness take place in your life. You're not going to run from community because you're hurt. I feel the presence of God so strongly on, on different ones that might be here today where you've been hurt by the church and it's not your fault. You didn't deserve it. You didn't do anything to make that happen. You were hurt. People misrepresented God to you and you're, there's this fear, there's this insecurity, there's this lie that you believe that if you open yourself up again, it's gonna happen again. There's potential that that is true. Because when we're around each other, we're probably going to offend and we're going to be offended. But that doesn't mean that God's grace isn't sufficient to work through it, to move through it, to not let that stop you. And I, I, just, I just feel like there's a moment. Let's, let's stand together. I, I feel like there's a, there's a grace here right now. That there's people here today that need to respond to this word. Maybe you're one that has unforgiveness in your heart to other people and you know that 
this can't keep going on. I, I got to take care of this. I got to resolve this. I got to forgive them. Maybe you're here today and, and, and you recognize, man, I've not been walking in humility in every area or certain areas of my life. Or maybe you're here today and you recognize that the, the hurts of the past have stopped you from moving forward in closer community with other people. And you know that that needs to stop. And I just feel like a wooing of the Holy Spirit for repentance this morning. Uh, just to say, God, forgive me. Renew in me a hunger. Renewing me in a hunger to persevere, to fight for unity, to fight for community, to walk together with other people, to do life with them, to open myself up in humility, to allow people to speak into me, to value those around me. Maybe you're here today and you're constantly putting people down. You're very negative. You're very condescending. You're, you're very critical of other people around you. You're very sarcastic to people around you. And, and you're, you're not valuing other people the way that God values them. You need to repent. You need to ask Jesus to forgive you and to give you a new mindset towards them. So I open up the altar here. If that's you, respond. It might be one person. It might be all of you. But I, I, I just feel like there, there's a wooing of the Holy Spirit for healing there and those things. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to just pray over all of us, and then Pastor Aaron's going to come up and, and close the service in just a moment. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just move by your grace for all of us to walk together as one. God, that we would rally together around your cross. Around, around what you've done for us, Jesus. Around your great love for us. And God, that we would see the forgiveness that you've extended to us. That we would see the value you've declared over us. We would see the love that you have for us. And from that place, God, that we would walk together as one. We'd walk together in unity. We would love one another. God, we'd forgive one another. God, we'd have a hunger to, to grow, to learn from one another. A hunger to walk in relationship with one another. God, let that grow in us. Let that happen in our hearts, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. If I could just have a, a ministry team worker make sure that they're with every person up here. Thank you, God. Let us be one. God, as we grow, we would grow closer to you and cl closer with one another and be one together. In Jesus' name.